Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. Good. I mean, yeah. it's early. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. I've been doing better with my sleep, and I, I've mm. had a productive morning. Mm. Mm. Listen to you. You sound so, like, so uh, productive. Productive. Mm. It doesn't take that much. I've always said my family has a low threshold for celebration. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take much to... I'm, I'm an eternal uh, prospective optimist. Yeah, we have a high threshold for celebration here at Shea Roderick. Really? And it's not necessary that it be that way. Mm-hmm. I should let I should let a little bit more uh I should let I should let the balloons in, I should let the streamers in. <laughs> but yeah. you know, they're at they're knocking at the door. Mm-hmm. Streamers are ringing the bell. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, did we really earn this oh that extends beyond you that goes to your immediate family did you really earn that i think it goes i mean i I won't look at somebody straight up and be like did you earn that but Mm. i but Mm. i do feel like party inflation (laughs) you let your look of disappointment do the heavy lifting yeah i mean you know there are people around me in my orbit who believe that when it's their birthday month yeah that is that signifies something. It sounds like you you t- you have talked about this, and it sounds yeah. like you, whether you were able to choose or not, that that's on you. The birthday month yeah. is a thing you do now. Yeah, or it's close, certainly a birthday week. Yeah, but but no, I think it's the I think the thing that you're talking about is like I definitely don't let myself celebrate small accomplishments or even big ones, huh. but I do have a tendency. I think to, I mean, you know, I, I give high fives. I give high fives when things get straightened up and when, you know, when people do good things, I give high fives. But I don't think that's hmm. enough. I don't think it's enough. Hmm. I'm interested in this. I, uh, boy, and you know what? I can't say this. Um, you know, our, mm, our teacher conferences are always a breeze. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. because, right, sure. because our kid does well in school and she's impossibly easy to deal with. And um, I don't know. This this latest one, though, I was a little bit, hmm. Because she'd said <laughs> something like, you know, I, I don't know, I can't quote her, but she kind of said something along the lines of, you know, you don't want to praise too much because yeah. then you're setting up an idea where when there's not praise, you should be worried. And that just leads to more praise. And now you're on some kind of a praise train. Praise train. Which I kind of get, but I have really mixed feelings about. Because I, I don't know. I believe in, um, you know, the positive reinforcement. I see somebody's going to email us about this. But I, I like know. the idea. They say that when you're trying to train an animal, you you reward the good stuff and mostly ignore the bad stuff. And that that works for, also works for men and other people. And I, I, I've tended to think that that's true. I think hmm. I feel like I know for myself as somebody who rejected all authority in life that I rarely saw even valid criticism as being something I needed to think about because I tended to just explore what was broken about the person doing it. So hmm. I tend to think that, well, no, think about this. Think about how, like, if I don't know if you're like this, but I mean, how's your consistency? Let me ask you that. Oh, I mean, I'm cons- very consistently inconsistent. Okay. Cause I mean, I don't even say that flippantly. Like, that is, that's my, that's the truest this, thing I about this, me. There's a couple of things I knew going into this racket. One thing I knew was I didn't want to unintentionally pass on anxieties that I didn't need to pass on. And, yeah. I, and I knew that consistency was very likely to be the most difficult part. 
right? So there's a certain amount of arbitrariness in, and I, won't, I promise this whole episode will not be about parenting unless it is. <laughs> I don't really care, frankly. But what's but, in the show is in the and show. You don't talk about the show in the show. What's in the show is the show. That's what the yeah. show is. The show yeah. is the show we did. Yep. Yeah. I don't yep, think a lot yep. of people don't understand that. They think no. the show happens somewhere else. The show's when you're doing the show. Uh, I think they, a lot. This is wind up for the show. I think a lot of people might think, and then the show starts at some point. But no, no. This, that, this, this is the show. The show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so, but I'm, I'm I'm wrapped at what you're saying. Okay. Go well, on. it's almost done. All I was going to say was that, like, okay, so you know that there's a certain amount. Let's let's do some real talk here. I'm flipping my chair around. We're gonna have let's a wrap go. session here. Let's go. Put your hat on backwards. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay, fellow teens. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about what it's like to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Is that you are obligated to pretend to care greatly about stuff that you absolutely do not care about. I think there's a tendency, perhaps, among some kids, some children, some offspring, to think that I actually give a flying fuck about the rules that I am compelled to enforce. I don't. I would just as soon watch Kids in the Hall on YouTube until 3 in the morning with you. I, I would be fine with that. Well, you know what? Let's go watch Gavin again. That's funny. We'll watch... The, I, the, I have to say it's bedtime because it's bedtime. I don't think that's fun, but I got to do that. And there's all kinds of stuff. I think homework... You know what? I'm going to go there. I think homework is mostly bullshit, but we have to do the homework because that's a thing that we do. And so, you know, the consistency part is now, now, now when that gets to behavior is where it gets interesting, because if I'm in a great mood, I can put up with almost anything. Right. Yeah. Some, some slightly aberrant. That's not typically OK behavior. If you're on vacation or you're having fun, it's the weekend and, I, and dad's in a great mood. There's all kinds of stuff I'm fine with. If I'm exhausted and my attention is frayed and it's 7.15 p.m., which is generally when my attention is just about to bottom out, uh, it's time to brush teeth. It's time yes. to brush. Now, it's, we really, really need to get the jammies on and move toward bed. It's really time. And that's where the consistency fails for me. Because that's when I am at my weakest in some ways. If I'm tired, if I'm shagged out, if I'm stressed, if I'm just like not in a good mood, to be honest. Not a terrible mood, but like you're just like, ugh, it's time to be rule boy again. I got to go be rule boy. And yeah. that's, that's, where I, that's where I struggle. Because like I should be, in some version of myself, I should be as consistent no matter what, anytime, regardless of the situation or the mood, right? And there's just certain things we always do because that's a thing we do. Some of those things I'm good at, many of them I am not. I don't know. I, I, I mean, you have to, I guess I practice the, is this what life is like philosophy of parenting, which is, yeah, they say, you know, be consistent, but I don't, life isn't consistent. My life has never been consistent. Long time before I started making the decisions. You didn't change that. That's not you. I mean... It's uh, it just it feels like this is our life and I, I perfectly consistent is just not that's not anything. It's kind of like divorce, right? My folks were divorced. I know a lot of people whose parents were divorced at a young age. I know a lot of people whose parents weren't. But what do you what what's normal? You know? Oh yeah. And, and um, so think about how many people's folks stayed together and are just like very very publicly unhappy. Sure. Or, you know, when you were a teenager, you could just tell who's how, who's, which ones of your friends' houses was like cold and weird. You could even suss out sometimes when they'd reached an accommodation, when they had like a Bill and Hillary type situation where they're like, here's the things I'm going to notice. And there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm just not going to pay attention to. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and in our era, right, the dads that would sort of disappear into a den with the door closed and oh, it's yeah. like, hmm, don't, don't knock on the door or make any noise around in the den. <laughs> Uh, and I, of course, I've told you about my friend whose dad, uh, I, I came over, 
uh, one time, and on the on the living room wall was spray painted a list of house rules. Wow! Wow! From the, from if the you top told me to that, bottom. I forgot it. But please share. That's there's so much about that that intrigues me. So he was he was a. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he really did he really like plan ahead and like no 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 he was a surgeon. <laughs> no. Um, and uh, there were a lot of German people in my neighborhood, like Catholic German, uh, like doctors, mm-hmm. was sort of the neighborhood that I grew up in. Hmm. Uh, and he was a he was a, a very successful surgeon and very much a technical one. But he was the of all the dads in the neighborhood, he was the one that was always in a an insulated uh, like. Uh, full-on mechanics suit, like a winter mechanic suit, who is out in the yard taking the lawnmower apart. You know, he was not... Oh, he's he always, always busy? Yeah, he wasn't like PTA dad. He was just like tinkerer dad. He wasn't like, let's get soft serve dad. No, 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 no. I don't remember ever having an encounter with him that was kind. <laughs> but oh, not, not unkind. He was just like... He was severe. That's just how it was sometimes. It was how it was, and it certainly was with him. And then uh, his wife was uh, matronly and and gregarious. I mean, you know, strict. She was just kind of like... But the house, the house was her domain. The house was her domain. The neighborhood was her domain. And she just... I mean, she didn't quite wear like a, like a Hofbrau house uniform type mm. of thing. Like, a, you know, like... Like a, a dirndl. Like a perf- puffy shirt or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but 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 close, and she would feed us and so forth. And there were three boys in the family, and they were all like bare, borderline sociopathic with each other. You know, like <laughs> like they get, they would really hurt each other, and and just and just water off a duck's back. You know, I mean, they would get in fights with each other and like shoot each other with pellet guns. That was just normal. It was just the normal. Anyway, I came over to the house one time, and and uh, like I I walk in, and it's it's unavoidable <laughs> that in black spray paint on the living room wall house rules, and then like all in, the in way, their actual living area. This is not like a piece of plywood <laughs> in the garage. No, all the way down John, the wall. John, that's mental. There's no one, way that's two, not like clown two, crazy. <laughs> Three, four, you know. Oh my God, he laid them all out. Homework done by seven or whatever. <laughs> Could and you see was, where he'd added ones later? <laughs> I mean, it was just as he goes down, you know, the, of course, the, the writing got smaller as he realized he was <laughs> sure, running he out of room. He planned it up. <laughs> it was not ahead. a surgical procedure in his usual <laughs> sense. <laughs> um, and uh, and, and the, my friend and the family tried to play it off. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that? <laughs> Like it wasn't there. Yeah. No mention of it, at yeah. least. And I was like. <laughs> and after a little bit of kind of, you know, when his mom uh, bustled over to some other part of the house, uh, I was like, so what's up with the. And uh, my friend said, oh, yeah, well, you know, th- I mean, dad just felt like things had gotten a little slack around here and uh, and we needed to tighten up. We need to get. You know, chip shape, and no, so. nothing says I've got things totally under control, like <laughs> like a, like a spur of the moment spray paint session. Yeah, just like you know what we need around here some reminders. <laughs> I wonder how mom felt about that. Well, you know, obviously it was still up. 
because <laughs> some it was still up on the wall because some accommodation between the two of them had been reached where she knew well i and i'm not 100% sure whether painting the walls was his responsibility and so she was waiting for him to it's an do- extension of his world defining capability we're like it sounds like he gets to define things about how the world operates in our home and she does a lot of the detailed implementation kind of yeah yeah well and well except no i think she i think she had a sense of humor and it was not always on display but i think it was a situation where she recognized that the shame of this did not actually rub off on her. Hmm. Like, this is clearly insane and clearly has nothing to do with her. So she could bustle around the house with just the hint of a smirk and be like, well, somebody needs to paint that. Somebody needs to paint the living room now. So when somebody gets around, and he's, you know, and I'm sure when he came home the next day, he was like, <clears throat> well, you know, like. He, so he wasn't, I mean, it's not something where he was like, oh, God, I'm ashamed. I need to cover this up. I think it was, but I think he also felt, I mean, it's that classic, like, dad who <laughs> has meant gone to do too that. far. <laughs> yeah, where he's just like, well, I mean, I do, I, there are some good points on that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he couldn't, he couldn't. He couldn't be in there red-faced scrubbing it off. He had to leave it for, like, two days in order to make his point. Oh, God. And within that culture of that family of that moment, that was just – it made sense. That was just how they were all getting down the road. And and from the standpoint of my family, it – did not make any sense at all, but a lot of the things... Can you imagine it, how your mother... I mean, just, just uh, the first thing I think of, can you imagine how your mother w- would react if anybody spray-painted her wall? <laughs> I mean, she doesn't like the way people do the dishes, like, no. let alone a spray-painting a wall. My God. Well, no, but, you know, my mom didn't have... You know, my mom wasn't married my whole yeah. life, so she didn't... She had no... There was no other person to answer to in the house, mm-hmm. so she could make the rules anything she, she wanted. She a pretty tight ship. But but and and they ran a very tight ship. I mean that house you could you could you could eat off the floors. But from their perspective, the craziest thing in the neighborhood was that my mom was a divorced woman who owned her own home. Right. Okay. Yeah. You talked about this once before. Yeah. 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 So that was already a thing that the very presence of had destabilized the neighborhood. Mm. Um. From a from the standpoint of like what's what's happening in the world, can you imagine what that would do to property values? Well, that's right. You oh. know, like a white lady who owns her own home. She's a computer programmer living in the neighborhood. Jeez. <laughs> um, so so, you know, from their perspective, like this is just something that their marriage is accommodating. It's yeah, not. Sure. It's not like they're. It's not like the fabric of society is crumbling. Anyway, that. But but I, the last couple of days I've been struggling as a parent. You know, it's a, I had just had a tough weekend with my <laughs> just, little just girl. Just the last couple. I mean, you know, we just I'm just trying to figure out like oh my what, god, what to do now. There's so She's, many unnecessary crises in my house, and I'm just I, I try so hard to head them off. I try to prepare, and I, it's just it's Sisyphean. There's just yeah. there's just a de minimis amount of weird drama that's gonna come up. No matter how much you try to be cool about it. Well, and I, I had a, a kind of a connected realization 
even even in last night, like, and, and you may laugh, hmm? but I have always thought of myself as very chill, pretty chill. Yeah. But I'm starting to think that maybe I am dramatic. <gasps> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that a very, it's a very interesting little nibble of an insight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that maybe I am um, uh, as as uh, Ben Acker said, I was texting with Ben Acker last night, and I said, do you think I'm dramatic? And he said, oh, you're the king of drama queens. <laughs> and I said, now seriously? And he was like, no, not at all. I said that as a joke because it's ridiculous. And I was like, <laughs> who would say a thing like that to you? <laughs> oh I my said, gosh. That's, I can't think of anything more ridiculous than somebody would say. <laughs> well, and I said, now are we, are we locked in one of those irony uh, Ouroboroses where I, I don't know which one of the things you're saying is serious? So of course, you just, you, just, you just hit the home button, put your phone down, and didn't give it another thought. Because <laughs> you don't do drama. What the hell? What the hell? And he was like, "See," and I was like, "Which one is it?" What? What? So, uh, but but you know, but I'm sitting, I'm chewing on that because my kid is very dramatic. But I'm thinking, wait a minute, am I really dramatic? I might be. I'm there. Are, there's a lot of evidence in my life where things get where there are things that are happening that are dramatic that. Maybe didn't need to be except for me. And like I've been kind of walking around with my hands behind my back, um, you know, sort of pacing the house, pacing the rampart, going like, wait a minute, am I, do I, do I live on a windswept shore where Mm -hmm. I'm constantly staring out at the sea where in fact that's not necessary? Uh, so it's, it's definitely one of those, you know, there's those classic kinds of things that passive aggressive people know how to do. Which is things you say to somebody something like, um, "Wow, you seem defensive." Mm. And you're like, "What? I seem defensive?" <laughs> like, no matter what you say, or you know, it's or for myself, it's something like me going, "Oh God, I wonder if I think too much. Do I think too much? I wonder if I." And, and I, there's you're you're in like a Mobius strip. Like you're Am never going to get out of that because now yeah. you're you're on this loop. Well, let me ask you this: as long as you're bringing it up, does that when you're walking around your ramparts, looking down mm. on your uh, on your uh, your land, uh, thinking about this, uh, do you feel vulnerable when you're wondering if that's the case? Well, I've been feeling a lot more vulnerable lately. Uh, uh, like I woke up the other day, so this is um, this is a little bit. I don't, I don't know what's happening. Okay, I do you want to like say this some... for your show with Dan? No, no, no. This okay. Is, uh, I don't know what's happening in that I like I never. I felt like I had anxiety. I never felt like I had, certainly I never panicked, Mm -hmm. but I woke up the other morning in what could only be described as a panic attack. Oh no. Shit. And, and I was like, and, 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 uh, and not a panic attack that was unrelated to anything. I'm not just sitting there like, (gasps) not sure what's going on. Like I'm, I'm claustrophobic. Yep. And as I get older, that claustrophobia gets more and more related to breathing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just claustrophobia, like, don't put me in a box. It's like, I don't want my breathing constrained. Mm-hmm. And that gives me, a, just the thought of it gives me that's the way. That's the way the panic works. It's like, as soon as you think the thought, it's like, yeah, here I go. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so the other day, and this has only happened to me three times in my life. One time decades ago, maybe not decades, but like 10, 15 years ago, I was on, I got on the uh, a Lufthansa flight from Frankfurt to Seattle, some crazy fucking long airplane flight. And it was, and I was seated in the third row from the back on a plane that had what I remember as being five aisles, like just a massive, massive fart barn. You really, the, I wasn't going to say it, but you don't notice the fartiness of a plane as much as you get closer to the front. But when you're in the back, especially when you're kind of near the latrine, you really get the full aspect. You see all the back of all those heads and all those dirty asses in those dirty seats. And you just know how much fart there is. There's so many fart PPMs in there. And I feel like this was some old plane that still had ashtrays in the seats. I mean, it was like, it was not good. And I got back there and I was like, get me the fuck off this airplane. Really? And I'd never, ever had that. And I was like, and the plane is like pulling away from the gate. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't be on here. And I'm looking around and... I don't know what, I honestly didn't know what to do. Like, uh, am I having a premonition? And you get that feedback loop. Right. right. If I am having a premonition, does this happen all the time right before airplane crashes where like five super sensitive people on the flight are like, I can't be on this plane. And then they just like go, well, too late. Mm-hmm. And then they die. Or... And and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, my breath starts to go and I'm like, um, 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 I cannot now you're do thinking, this. Now you're thinking. Yeah. And what, what walked me down was, are you going to be that guy? Mm-hmm. Like, like, walk me through this, that you're going to get this plane taken back to the airport. You dipped into your strategic reserve of shame. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I might need like, this break glass in case of emergency. <laughs> it was, I'm sitting in the chair, you know, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm trying to calm my breath by saying, give me the play-by-play that you ring the call bell now. Or that you get up out of your seat and start walking to the front of the plane. Like, just, just walk me through this. Mm-hmm. And so I calmed down, and then I got my head right and was fine. But I'd never experienced it before, and I and I was like, "Oh shit, is that just like right under the surface?" I because I'd never experienced anything like that. And were you able to do like a quick? I mean, because sometimes if, if you're somebody who goes through this, you learn little tricks, and one of the little tricks is like, "Okay, just a dumb one. Did I have too much coffee today?" Like, what, was I stressed? Did, did, it, if, did it feel like an organic, full-on, I'm guessing, it felt like an organic, full-on, oh, no, this is a real thing happening. This is, like, this is me. I have one experience that helps me in moments like that, and it was um, <laughs> one of the uh, world historical classic, uh, um, like, young person foibles, where I was super baked with my... <laughs> oh, I don't miss super, that. I don't miss with, being super baked. <laughs> with my super baked other friends. And I started to hyperventilate. And I said, I swear to you, I think this pot was laced. And I'm, I am like uh, pretty well known as a, as a broad mocker of the idea that any pot is laced. 
But at this point in time, I was still young and still susceptible to the idea that there were drug dealers out there who were giving away free drugs yeah. by lacing pot. It just economically, them. it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but I couldn't account for what was happening to me because I was like, this was not a normal response to pot. I was freaking. I was just like, I'm having a heart attack. And so in this room, I'm like, call you guys call an ambulance because I couldn't get my breath. I couldn't get my, I couldn't get equilibrium back. And my friends are all crouched around me like, dude, oh, no, whoa. And I'm like, fuck, you know, like, I need help. Like, I need help immediately. Oh, God. Like, call a fucking ambulance. And there was a guy at this, it wasn't a party, at this (laughs) event of four dudes that was like a tangential friend, like a, a little bit older. And he was like, hey, can I ask you a question? And I was like, what, what? And he's like, is that a 64-ounce Mountain Dew in your hand? And I was clutching this giant 7-Eleven Super Gulp of Mountain Dew (laughs) that was, you know, probably my second one of the day that I was just sitting and nursing. As I was panicking, I think I was reaching for it and like (laughs) trying it. And I was like, what? What? Yes. And he was like, do you know how much caffeine is in a fucking 64-ounce Mountain Dew? Mm Mm-hmm. And it was just like the, it was this incredible little just like, he put a sensible hat on me for a second. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, you're not freaking out. You're so fucking like ramped you're gacked, up. You're gacked out on Mountain Dew. <laughs> you're gacked out on Dew, dude. And I, and, and it, it was enough, right? It just, it was like a shock and it, and it shocked me out of this, this uh, feedback loop I was in. And I calmed down, and even at the time, and this was before I was typically somebody who was going to say thank you to anybody, (laughs) Uh, I was like, thanks, dude. That was like really wisdom. He was like, yeah, well, you know, it's not my first rodeo. I was like, wow. So in moments like that, I I hearken back to the, the, like, unreliability of of first person What what if there's something about this that's not me? Right. Kind of. Just, I mean, because part of part the of the do. problem is that, that that panic loop becomes this like you just. I feel like I I run impossibly f- fast between these two points of like it, is this thing happening and oh god this thing is absolutely happening and each lap that I make makes it worse. Well, at, at, so th- what happened recently? I got on a I got on a flight mm-hmm. from uh, L.A. to Seattle, and I had I'd been sick. And I had a plugged ear. And I knew it was, you know, I knew it was plugged. And I wasn't thrilled about it, but I felt like I could manage it. Um, with some yawning. With some, like, yeah. you know, some pro-level <laughs> yawning. But I get on the flight. We get up to altitude. The plane gets pressurized to whatever altitude a 737 is pressurized, which is about, I think, like 10,000 feet or something. And my ear, and I'm yawning, and I can't clear the ear. And I'm I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, and I can't get it to do that satisfying, like... I'm about to yawn right now, just because you're mentioning yawning, but it, the most frustrating thing is when you're, like, trying to yawn and you can't. It feels... You feel crazy. Well, trying to yawn and can't, right, which you do feel crazy, <sighs> but also trying to... 
trying to pop an ear where you can't get it. Mm-hmm. It's right there. It's right there. You just can't get it. It's a deeper head version of like trying to hock a loogie. It's like, oh, I can feel like I know all the signs are there. I can do this. Just and, come on. Come on. Come, come on. Out there. And as I'm sitting there doing it, I start to feel a, a panic rise up in my gullet that's related to claustrophobia. That's related to not, it's not that I can't breathe, but I just started to feel like my head, uh, that the, there were passages that weren't clear that were, that it started to feel like I was um, being smothered. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't affecting my breath. It was just that, you know, I don't know. If you could plug my ears, you could just as easily plug my nose. Sure. This, and, is, this is probably just how it starts, right? Well, and you yeah, know what I mean, exactly. that feeling of like, oh, this is probably just the beginning of what's going to kill me. Well, this is going to get so much worse. And I am now I'm sitting in the front of the plane and I'm looking at the gal. I'm sitting in the front of the plane because I'm a little bit older now and, you know, I don't sit by the toilets anymore. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking, I mean, we're at. 30,000 feet. And uh, and I want out of this plane. And I never, 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 never let that happen. And it's because, I, and I'm sitting and I'm trying to, uh, I'm yawning, I'm yawning, I'm yawning. And I actually got up out of my chair and went into the bathroom and I'm throwing water on my face. And I'm like, you know, what the fuck are you going to do now? First of all, the bathroom on a plane is not less claustrophobic. Like you, what are you gonna freak out in here? Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm talking to myself like, what are you? What you can't freak out. First of all, it's not on brand. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you fly all the time. This is not a precedent. Like, don't start scratching a, a little like line on the windowsill with your fingernail here on p- panicking in airplanes. That's not where you want to start making your mark. Mm-hmm. And I get out of the bathroom, and there's a flight attendant there, and I said to him, uh, do you have something for, an, uh, for like, a plugged ear? And he said, and he kind of, he actually, like, looked up, and he said, um, go take your seat. I'll be, I'll be with you in just a second. And I sit down, and I'm just like, <laughs> just try, I mean, really trying to stave off. Because I don't know what to do in a panic attack. Like, I guess nobody does. That's part, <laughs> part of the problem. Of, yeah. Part of the problem. But like, your mind just what, races. What if I hadn't tried to calm myself down? What if I just let myself go? I have no idea. What, what would I do? Run around? Well, you're going you're gonna to be on BuzzFeed <laughs> as that guy that made the plane turn around. <laughs> yeah, am I going to start throwing yogurt on, on people? <laughs> uh, sorry, inside joke. Um, and he comes over, and he's got a plastic cup, and it's got one of those hot... Uh, towels in it from first class. Mm. And he says, put this cup on your ear. Hmm. It's like, all right, maybe, maybe this is just one of those power of suggestion things, or maybe this is like, here, balance this pencil on your nose and you'll forget about your ear. But so I, I put the cup with the hot rag on my ear and now I'm sitting there and it looks, you know, it came from the flight attendant. So it looks official. Mm-hmm. So nobody's like giving me the side eye. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not like your comfort cup. No, right. <laughs> it's not like I pulled it out of my uh, my bag. and was like looking over at my seatmate, like, hang on, I've got a little bump. This is my, this is my gonna, comfort <laughs> cup, Cecil. I'm, I'm going I'm to heat up my rag. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> 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 
This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Simple Contacts. You can learn more about Simple Contacts right now by visiting simplecontacts.com slash supertrain. Here is what you need to know. Simple Contacts is a convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and then reorder your favorite brand of contacts from anywhere. And all in just minutes. Please pay attention. This is Vision Care Simplified. Here's how this magic works. If you need to renew your prescription, you just take the Simple Contacts 5-Minute Vision Test from your phone or your home computer machine. That test gets reviewed by a licensed doctor, and then you receive a renewed 1-year prescription, and yeah, you just reorder your contacts. It's just as easy as that. But what if you already have a prescription? Not a problem. Just upload a photo of that prescription or your doctor's information, and then order your lenses. Easy peasy, lemon, contact lenses. Simple Contacts offers untold convenience and speed. You can renew your prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. There's no more doctor's offices or waiting rooms. We're not going to do that anymore. And the speed, oh, brother, the speed. The vision test is self-guided and takes less than five minutes. Think of how much time you save compared to making an appointment, get to the eye doctor, taking the time off. Think of it. Think of it right now. Speed. Just a reminder that this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye exam. Okay? Consider yourself reminded. But get $30 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash superchain. Or uh, you enter the offer code supertrain at checkout. Simplecontacts.com slash supertrain. Offer code supertrain. $30 off. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. <laughs> I, have, I have a prescription for this cup. Yeah, I just have to. I just have to. Would you like a hot rack? Do you have any questions? Uh, so I'm holding it to my ear, and goddamn if it doesn't work. Oh, yes. And and I'm like, oh, and everything, all the panic just like goes out through my recently cleared ear. And I'm fine, and everything's fine. But what ha- what really happened was that I had etched a little line on the windowsill of my of my heart brain that's like oh okay now this is a thing that could happen you could have a panic attack on an airplane you never used to could have but now it's happened so what are so my head is like what are the conditions where this will happen mm-hmm. cuz that seems like a small thing plug deer that's a small thing now did i have 14 cups of coffee probably <laughs> Uh, it would be a rare day that I didn't. What's your point? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but so the other morning, I woke up in bed having a panic attack that I wasn't actually trying to stop. You know, I was in that in and out of dream state, and I came up out of a dream, and I was panicking in the dream. Mm. I woke up maintained the panic in that in that sleep half sleep state and then actually went voluntarily kind of went back down into the panic dream uh about like waist deep in it right i was like i'm gonna stay here i'm gonna stay in this the 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 i'm gonna stay waist deep in the waves here of this dream i'm not trying to get out of it i'm trying to be in it for some reason Mm mm-hmm and it was a panic dream about being on an airplane and panicking. Oh, God. Not about anything happening on the airplane. It's just like, okay, now let's say you're on a flight to Australia. Like, what do you do if you have a panic attack on a flight to Australia? 
Well, you're just out over the fucking open ocean for 12 hours or whatever. Like, what are you going to do then? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do then, panic guy? You're going to ask for a cup? You're going to bring your comfort cup? Mm-hmm. And so, and all of this is incredibly unusual to me. Like, I don't, these are not feelings that I've, I used to fly with my friend Jesse Sykes, who was a, a Seattle musician who put out a couple of beautiful records. Mm-hmm. And she was somebody who, as soon as she sat down on the plane, she would start to cry. Oh, really? Because she hated flying oh, so God. much. And the, the engines would spool up and she would be gripping the armrests and the plane would start running down the runway and like her bandmate sitting on one side would be petting her shoulder and I would be holding her hand. And, the, and through the whole flight, she never, ever, ever got fine with it. That's, that, that is tough for that occupation. Really bad, yeah. right? Because she, and she also her band was big in France. Oh shit! So she would get Fucking all these France. all these gigs that was like, it wasn't even hey come over and do a month long tour of Europe and you're gonna get you know, and at least you'll get paid in France. It was like no fly over play a show in France and fly home like the worst kind of crazy, but it was enough. That, but in France she could get enough money that it was worth doing, and you know she's just sitting there panicking the whole time. Oh god. So I don't know what I don't know now what to do. And so this like weird little like gremlin, this panic gremlin is now walking around a new. Basically, he just bought a new house mm-hmm. in my head uh-huh. and he's walking around trying to figure out. Talk, where he's talk about the, a bad neighbor. Right. He's mm-hmm. like, where am I going to put my couches? Like, oh, I've got a lot of room in here. And he's he's trying. He's like he's on the phone and he's calling up. Hey, panic about being buried alive. Why don't you come over and hang out? Well, it's almost a little bit more like a, like a Russian hacker. Like it's, I know what vulnerabilities tend to be in place, and I know how to exploit them. And I'm not going to choose one pathway for this. I'm going to try 90 different things and see what works. Yeah, you know including what I mean? last night I'm reading my book about how to sleep better, mm-hmm. which is helping me, my sleep book. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Sleepbook Guy starts talking about during REM sleep, your entire body is paralyzed in order that you not like freak out and start fighting uh, demons in your bed. Yeah. Uh, your body is paralyzed and then you begin to hallucinate. Mm. And I'm laying there like, why, uh, why are you doing this to me? Like, yes, I understand it. But, and I'm, I'm sure if I was reading this book at like 11 o'clock in the morning, that'd be great, but I don't want to be paralyzed. Mm-mm. That's another, mm-hmm. that's another, like the gremlin is just like, Oh, paralyzed. Is that something that you don't my, want? My friend Max, uh, has a morbid fear of anesthesia. So like when oh, he goes yeah. to the dentist, like he, he like not, so it's sort of like, I don't know if you read that story about the guy had, had extreme anxiety about vomiting. And like, even after he drank Ipecac, he wouldn't vomit. This guy wrote an amazing book about anxiety. Max has a similar thing in that, like, even when they like try to dope him up, he like won't go oh. out. Oh, and wow. I'm, I'm not trying to call him out or something. I think that's a fairly, maybe more common than a lot of people think feeling is like, I do not want to be paralyzed. I do not want to be out of control. And I certainly don't want to be awake in a way that I don't have any physical way to say, hey, I'm awake. Yeah, yeah, the the uh, the Metallica, Metallica one the, the Metallica problem, exactly. Darkness imprisoning me. There are all these related ones, right? The Metallica problem. There's the... Oh, well, and because I did hallucinogenic drugs oh, for a long period, I know. there's the 
What if I start having a bad trip and never come out of a bad trip? Oh, God. And all I wish, this, I, I wish I could redo the 86 to 87 academic school year so much. I would do so many things differently. I would be so much more picky about where I got my hallucinogens. Well, right. I mean, would you, would you, would you walk up to Mike Mills and say, just let me roadie for you guys? Ugh. I don't know. I don't know. Would you, buy, would you have bought Bitcoin back in 87? <laughs> It was only like, it was negative 40 It's funny you should mention that because you made me think of an anecdote. I'll I'll throw back to you in a sec, but like there was some kind of cryptocurrency event, I don't know, weeks or a month ago, where a bunch of people went to this event and they had lunch and then they went on their merry way. I think it was a cryptocurrency event and people started feeling really, really fucked up. And like something is very, very wrong. And basically, owing to, according to the story, owing to bad signage, people did not realize that there was, I guess, a shit ton of weed in some of the food. And the word they used for it was really funny. It was like, I forget the word, but it was, it did not say this has a shit ton of weed in it. So like my morbid fear in some ways, like think about this. So like you, you, you're going to go out and do some tripping and you know, at least for me, it was, there was a whole like ritual to it. Like there was, this was a whole, I had cleared my calendar and there was just a whole bunch of shit. I was going to make the most optimal experience. And then two hours into it, we'll take a walk here and there'll be a whole thing. Did you have a little bag that had like uh, (laughs) stuff in it? I probably did. I'm sure my roommate did. But but imagine you start tripping, but you don't know that you're tripping. Yeah. Talk about a fucking morbid fear. Imagine you start tripping balls and it doesn't occur to you like, oh, maybe I had some weed at the cryptocurrency event. Oh, That's, doesn't that seem like madness? Well, so I was dosed one time Ugh. while I was sleeping. Oh, my God. Did I never tell you this story? You might have. Go again. Like, my friends came in uh, while I was who sleeping. Who does that? And put, who, that's psychotic. And put, like, two hits oh, of acid in my mouth. look at me. I'm a little mouth. imp. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem was, like, I... I'm going to simulate madness and not tell you that it happened. <laughs> You're crazy now. Bye. This is, that, <laughs> Sweet this dreams. Is, this is not a thing I ever would do to somebody, right? <clears throat> You'd have to be but, a monster. Ugh. But my friends at the time... This was within the allowable, uh, like, set of things that that they could do to me. I, I mean, I wouldn't ever do it to somebody, dose somebody. I wouldn't even like, hey, have a have some punch, ha ha. I mean, or anything like that. Well, right? It's some, just like, sometimes, sometimes the reasoning on that is, dude, if everybody just tripped, it would be such a better world. And it's like that's sort of like saying, well, you know, I ran a marathon, or like I survived in the wilderness with lots of preparation. So I'm going to start dropping people off in a helicopter and put them out in the wilderness because it's going to make the world better. It's like, <laughs> no, dude, you can't do that to people. That's madness. Their logic was, look, we're all going to be tripping today, you included, and we're getting started, and you're sleeping, and so let's just get this show on the road. And it wasn't that we were all going to be tripping because this was prearranged. It was just that somebody got some good acid. They know that I don't have anything to do that day. Like, the only thing that I'm even alive to do is to hang out with these people and do drugs. Surprise! So, they were just like, oh, fuck, you know, when is he going to wake up? And rather than say, like, let's go wake him up, they said, I know. Let's just go put dope in his fucking mouth. Oh, my God. So, I had the experience of coming out of a dream state into a dream state, right? I was, like, woke up hallucinating. Yeah. 
And it was only that I was very familiar with the feeling that waking up and seeing that, like... Oh, you, you not, like, knew to, to, to stop a minute and do an inventory. I mean, just sort of like, okay, I'm, hmm. I know I am awake, but, like, my... But things are leaving tracers, mm-hmm. and there's a very distinctive other a sense of like not out of body exactly but like that you're watching some very strange movie happening very slowly and you can't change it yeah and i'm basically alone in a room <clears throat> so Jesus. so huh that's curious yeah, friends and, like that hmm. and of course you know your feeling is like did, have i overdone something and tripped some light switch in my brain in which now i'm just like tripper joe <laughs> where <laughs> <laughs> Where I just have tracers all the time. But, and I think very luckily, lucky for me, that this was, this day ended up being, and this batch of LSD in particular was like the kindest, greatest LSD uh, uh, it, it, among the small handful of the greatest. LSD I ever had. Oh, so it wasn't too harsh. It was so gentle, but also incredibly visual. Like, not, it wasn't like, oh, fuck, what the fuck is that? Like, civilization is just a rat hole. It wasn't anything like that. It was just like, it was like, dude, do you see those orbs? Yeah, I do. I mean, like, there's pink orbs all around us. I know. Like, or it was like orbs. And if if you took a if you took a book and and like and let it fall open on a table, the pages would just keep going to the walls. Like, like and so so I came into a very I came into a very gentle place where where I it's not like I said, if this is my new reality, I'm cool with it. Mm-hmm. But I it, but that the gentleness gave me the extra thirty seconds to go like oh wait a minute right like I hear voices in the other room like my friends are here something's not right mm-hmm. and then so, you know and then some girl like peeked her head around the door all like like contact style like boop. <laughs> and, and you know, and it was a girl I knew and liked, and so I was like, "Wait a minute, what are you doing?" Uh, but not a thing that I want to happen now. I do not want to be. I do not want to be dosed. I don't want any hallucinogens. I have a friend that owns a expensive pot shop here in Seattle, and she is making very high grade chocolate mm-hmm. people laced, love the edibles mm-hmm. laced with dope dope and i had her at an event that i was doing where she came up on stage with me and was like hey i'm doing this expensive chocolate and it's really great and here i brought you i brought you a gift bag john or a bastic like a big bastic of chocolates but you, she, but, she, but you knew it was special well, no, she leans over to me and whispers, like, this doesn't have any pot in it. Like, I'm not allowed, actually, to give away pot chocolate because the law, something. So this, so we make some chocolate that doesn't have pot in it, that it looks like it. It's like, you know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, you know, these microphones are live. But <laughs> she gave me this, this basket of what looks like delicious chocolate. But 
I studied the wrappers afterwards very carefully to see some fine print or some little strikeout or something that said, this actually isn't pot. And there isn't any. And so I have this bunch of chocolate that I look at and I'm like, I want some chocolate. But there's a percentage chance that this has pot in it. And I don't want it. I don't want that. So nah, I ended nah, up putting... Nah, 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 nah. I mean, I, I put we talked about how I struggle every morning with, like, I have this whole, like, workflow of, like, dealing with all of my capsules that look identical. And even when <laughs> I do my workflow correctly, on when I go from the right to the left, and when that goes into the ramekin, and now I know this one is the probiotic, and this one is the nootropic, because I don't want a lot of this one and not of that one, and I instantly doubt myself, no way am I going to eat badly labeled pot chocolate. No way. That's, that no seems like poor police way. work on her part. I mean, doesn't that seem like she should do something to clarify? Uh, that seems weird. Is well, she, is she mean, being mischievous? No, 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 no. I think that I think that uh, that that from her perspective, like I have I have this chocolate that looks like pot chocolate, but it's not because we have to make some to give away in case there's a police here. Mm. Um, hmm. But but in my culture. Mm. There aren't that many people, actually, who don't want some free pot chocolate. Ugh, Jesus. And, every, and I'm well known as the person that doesn't want it. I think that's why she said it. But she, but it's not it, it like it, I, no, I, I think that I think that she did all the due diligence she needed to. But for me, that that little gremlin that's setting up house is you know, also is taking that little portfolio mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all these little portfolios. It's like the Jared Kushner of your dreams. Like it just keeps yeah. taking it, whatever, whatever's available. Let's put it up, put it in the portfolio. That's right. You don't give this gremlin power. This mm-hmm. is gremlin just takes power. That's unattended. Mm-hmm. You don't drive and, a rocket. You ride it. <laughs> and, and so I, like I also I'm a Max Temkin. I don't like anesthesia. Mm-hmm. I really don't like the idea of going out and then waking up later while people are fucking with my mouth and stuff. I don't like the I don't like the prospect of a doctor coming into a waiting room and going, he didn't make it. And having my family go, it was a wisdom tooth. Yeah, but we did something wrong. But we never say wrong. We, you sign business. the form, you know, it just happens sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we just don't know how to our do how to do our job or entropy. Yeah. People just fucking die for no reason. It's just people a, die for no reason. It's it's I your mean, occupational hazard now. Once you give them a thing that reduces the amount of breathing they're doing, people, anything people could will happen. tell you that's the toughest part of that whole racket is anesthesia. It is yeah. very difficult to get right. I'm, I I'm, I have a sister that was an anesthesiologist. Hmm. Um uh, she's a potter now. Hmm. Hmm. No, that's not Susan. Uh, that's a Merlin Manger. This is from this is from your <laughs> ceramicist. <laughs> is this from your alternate family that I don't really know about? No, this is my uh, this is my uh, older sister Laura, my dad's oldest daughter. You 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 what, keep producing that? family members. I don't know. <laughs> you're you're like Cardini. <laughs> you can't get rid of those siblings. <laughs> she was an anesthesiologist for many years. She lived in a house. Uh, that was uh, that was right on the ocean there in Olympia, and uh, her husband. Um, did I ever tell you the story? I went to visit them, mm-hmm. and her husband was like, "I mean, it's crazy to think of now because I was twenty. I was probably twenty-one. No, not even. I was twenty, and so my sister was what, like thirty-six, 
35, 36. And they lived in this kind of ramshackle hippie, like hippie mansion. You know, you know what a hippie mansion is. Right? Oh, they... <laughs> I've done lots of drugs in a hippie mansion. <laughs> hippie mansion. There's a famous hippie mansion I would go to often in uh, where, where I went to college. And this this guy had come into some money and built the ultimate hippie mansion. The walls moved. The walls were on casters. So uh, you, oh. you, you might you might go into the isolation tank for a little while and come out into the house with a different configuration. What? Yes. And the same goddamn Wyndham Hill sampler would play over and over and over. Oh, uh, this was George one of those Winston. Hip- I will find oh, you, George, George Winston. Winston. <laughs> you think that's relaxing? <laughs> one point, one point, the needle stuck on a Shadow Fact song, and I thought, <laughs> I thought this was it for me. This is how it, this is how it happens. Not like the, this. Not like the, this. Shadow well, moving around. Dick Cheney was in a in, <laughs> in a room, like <laughs> staring at his sink. I like that one track, Shadow Dance. <laughs> uh, this was a hippie mansion that had like maybe one or two extra stories above what seemed normal you know it's like this house is seven stories tall hmm. but but not wide right hmm. it's just it's like, like a dutch house it's like yeah but 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 on the water uh, in the forest and sort of and maybe with the maybe with the chimney that kind of stuck out and then went up like like oh, like, the, uh, like a, the one the weasleys live in like an air set's yeah. a harry potter house like a harry potter house, <laughs> right like like if you took a, if you took 40 school buses and stacked them up on top of you. nice like a like a fabulous furry freak brothers. Okay, perhaps. all right. Anyway, her husband was a lawyer, but they're like thirty six years old, and at the time they seemed like fully grown adults. Yeah. And he said at one point, "Hey, hey, you wanna you wanna go? Uh, you wanna see my go fast?" Hmm. And I was like, "Your go fast?" He's like, "Yeah, you wanna see my go fast?" And I was like, "I do. Hmm. I don't know what you're. Well, I don't like learn a little more about what I'm signing up for." Yeah, Sounds but, like the last yeah. thing you hear from a clown. <laughs> I want to hear my want to see my go flash. <laughs> and uh, he was like a, he was a guy. This is in the eighties. He was already like Mister Cigar guy. He had a whole bunch of he had a room full of cigars. And, oh, he was ahead of the douche curve on that one. Yeah, but he was but he was like he was he's he like a cool guy. He definitely was a uh, proto douche, but he wasn't like that guy yet because mm-hmm. that guy didn't exist Mm-mm. he was some other guy and i'm like yeah let's go you know go fast sure mm-hmm. and i'm like what 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 room of the house is that and he's like follow me and we go out of the the back door and we start walking and we walk into the woods <clears throat> and at this point in time and it's still true here washington is kind of crazy you can buy oceanfront property here for not that much money because there's so much ocean. Mm. There's just there's just a lot of ocean here, and a lot. Of, oh, okay, you know, and this is like the last part of the country to really get settled. So there's it's like still the, it's t- like that. What do they call it? The um, border of Scotland problem. Like you've got so many little fjords and invaginations that you have a lot of bioavailable water. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So they have this hippie mansion, and it's in a very nice area of Olympia, very close into town. But it's at a time and and uh, in a place where you can have a waterfront home and then also a neighboring forest. Hmm. And so we walk into the forest and we walk for a little while and I'm like, and we're, he's chatting and smoking cigars. But I'm thinking, is he going to whack me? <laughs> like, what's next on the on our on our adventure? And we come through the forest, and here is a. A parking lot the size of one car of freshly laid tarmac and and looking up it's a driveway 
that goes up to the main road that's brand new, a driveway that comes all the way down into the forest for... He's got like a secret secondary forest car? And and in his one stall parking lot Mm -hmm. is this car, which is a Ford Taurus SHO. Now, now, if if you Google a Ford Taurus SHO, um, it is... Not what you would think of as like if you're going to have a Porsche or yeah. something, if you're going to go, if you're going to like build a, a separate driveway mm-hmm. for your 1986 This looks Ford. This is like a retired lieutenant colonel car. That's right. That's it's, exactly it right. looks like somebody uh, put costly wheels on an Aleve. So put put a put 1986 Taurus SHO. That's oh, that's that's what it should be. So it's basically a cop car. Oh Jesus! A 1986 Ford Taurus SHO. It's like uh, invisible. Like it's it's just like the generic 80s car. Right. Except that the SHO aspect of it, uh, I think SHO stands for Special High Output or Special Horsepower um, uh, or Organthal mm-hmm. or something. Um, it made this a sleeper. It was a sleeper. Mm. It's very fast. That's a grower, not a shower. That's right. Mm-hmm. It looks like nothing. It mm-hmm. looks like it doesn't. You don't even see it. It mm-hmm. doesn't look like anything. But it goes. It's a go fast. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, <clears throat> if you're going to have this secret life, yeah, get a get like something that's all that's all like a hot rod. Get like a red barchetta. Right, but yeah. no, Mm-mm. no, 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 no. He wants this, and so we get in it, and we go <laughs> driving. Around. And the thing is, this is a secret from my sister, his wife. What? Complete. He has a secret go fast, and now you're part of the conspiracy. He has a secret go fast. He apparently has a secret acre of land. What or the fuck? If it's not a secret, then he secretly built a driveway in what my sister thinks is an undeveloped acre of land. All of a of sudden, land. spray painting a wall seems a little healthy. I mean, oh, believe me, he was a nut, and they—I mean, they're, they did not stay married. <sighs> but they—but they did have a child, my beloved um, nephew. Okay. Um, but Oof. so we start driving through the twisties in the like forest land of Olympia and he's just, you know, he's taking these hills where we're like the tires are coming off the ground and, oh, and I'm just holding on for dear life. This guy sounds super stable. Cause it's a sedan. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, the, great, the great thing about him is that his father was a lawyer and was like a contemporary of my dad. And my dad thought that his dad was a was like a danger and a menace. Hmm. Like they were, my dad and his dad. It's like a were, family of nuts. Well, but they were contemporaries and competitors mm-hmm. for like who was, I think, who was like the real nut on the scene. But I mean, they were they were like they butted heads. Hmm. And then, of course, his son married my dad's daughter. Oh, it's gone. It was just like it was, and I think when it happened, it was like, well, here it is, like the 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 house the houses combine. It's the the War of the Roses or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but but I and I have no idea what the actual story was about his go fast hidden. And he was like, you can't tell Laura. Whatever you do, don't tell Laura. Jeez, it's like, I mean, I don't. It's not going to come up in conversation. This is so unlikely. 
Like, I, it's yeah, not, but when it does, she's going to say, who else knew about this? Well, but I, you know, like I'm her little, uh, th- that was the great, I mean, one of the great things about being in my dad's family and being me yeah. was that no one even knew I existed until I was a grown up. You know, when I was a kid, they were, all, they were all so. See, I mostly know of the you and Susan era, but don't you have, like, don't get into it, but don't just for my own clarity, cause I feel like I'm losing my mind. You kind of have at least two and kind of three sets of siblings, right? There's the, the OGs, there's the mm-hmm. middle ones, and then there's you mm-hmm. two, right? Right. Okay. Right. Is that, that kind of right? Because like I, I now I, I'm thinking of it probably in reverse. Probably to everybody else, you guys are the weirdos. You're the ones everybody's forgotten about. Who are the recent ones? Uh, well, so what happened was there was so much, you know, my the the older kids were the ones that happened at a reasonable time. I mean, my dad was. When it was normal to have a kid. Yeah, my dad was 30 already mm-hmm. when he had his first set of kids. He <sighs> was in his late 40s when I was born. Okay. So all the family drama that revolved around, like, grandmothers and grandfathers and drunk uncles and people arguing about, about property and, and who's going to get the, these candlesticks and, <laughs> and yelling about, you know, yelling about whether, whether uh, John F. Kennedy is a papist and all this stuff, it all already happened. Way before I was born. So Mm -hmm. by the time I was born, the family was, I mean, it was established what everybody's job was. The the kids that were going to be bad ended up being bad, which was all of them. Like that was the, my older siblings were all baby boomers and they all ended up being um, bad in one way or another. And all of their cousins, you know, the cousins, like, sort of de- at varying degrees. I mean, it depends on It's hard on what... to grow up, really grow up in the 60s and 70s and not turn out bad. A little bad. If yeah. you make it at all, you're probably going to be bad. Well, and so, for instance, my Uncle Al, Alfred Ruffner Rochester, mm-hmm. was famous for being, uh, for, like, having some drinks at the dinner table and starting a fight with my grandmother, his sister or with his own wife. And then my dad, who was the oldest uh, boy of his generation or the oldest of his generation would jump into the fight and take on Al on in defense of his mother or his aunt. And then Al and my dad would be fighting about, and it's not physical fighting. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, goddammit. What the fuck are you... Back and forth. And then somebody, generally my grandmother, would get up from the table in tears and throw her napkin down and say, I can't... And then she'd storm off. And then, you know, there'd be... Somebody would knock over a wine glass. Mm-hmm. This is what it was like in this in this clan in 1958. And by God, the time I, I would have an ulcer. I would have an ulcer. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think this is why a lot of people get eating disorders, stuff like this. And I think it's why a lot of people get alcoholism, or at least if you have it. It's, it's a nice it, pairing. Yeah. It doesn't stay dormant, right? So Al was famously uh, not disliked, but everybody in the family is like, Al, you know, like. He's he was a problem. He was problematic, mm-hmm. and he was a Seattle City Councilman, so he had, you know, 
And his wife was wealthy and glamorous above his pay grade. Anyway, when I was born, something clicked in Al. Uh, he had be, he was now like an older man. He was in his 60s, which in 1968 was old. Mm-hmm. And he decided, or, or whatever, or my innate charm... Uh, created a situation where Al never turned on me and he did it to everybody else, but Al just cherished me. And then my sister, the both of us, he picked up the mantle and became our grandfather essentially. Wow. And never was ugly to us at all. That must've driven other people crazy. Well, they didn't even know. They were just like, uh, they didn't know because they were all so self-absorbed that they had just gone on to their own thing. They, none of them were, pers- they just weren't perceptive uh, of their environment. Like a, a lot of times, I will say things to my adult siblings or people in my family. I'll be like, "Well, you know, this was true about our family," and they'll look at me and be like, "Were you there? Were you alive then?" <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, I knew those people too. And they're like, oh, you knew cousin George? And it's like, I, yeah, I knew cousin George. Like he lived until 1990. Like, well, how do you, why would I not? And they're like, oh, I kind of, I didn't think you were born yet. Or it's just like, oh, my, my, my wife gets this because she's the youngest of seven and she and her, especially her though, like uh, the history of the family had largely been written by the time she was of age. Right, right. And like people forget that you were there. Like, hey, I was there for Christmas. <laughs> I remember the fireplace. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember the fireplace. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and there are some things I don't remember. Like, I do not remember my grandmother. She she was alive when, and I was probably two and a half when she died. But I just don't have a clear memory of her. And she was a legendary person. So, like... I knew her until I was two and a half. I met my mom's dad once, and those are the that's my only contact with any grandparent. My dad's dad was dead for fifteen years before I was born, and my mom's mom died in nineteen thirty four. Jeez. So yeah. Anyway, all by way of, of describing that um, that there was no there was no I don't know there was no love in Whoville for me as a kid. I was. when we would show up at events, everyone else was an adult. And so somebody would go find a bag of like raggedy Ann dolls and Tintin (laughs) comics in French uh, that were in the bottom of a closet. And they would hand me this box Uh, and they'd be like, go to town, kid. uh Seen and not heard. And I'd go find some back staircase. Play with these till you fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, you know, and the thing is, I'm 11, right, Mm -hmm. or something. And uh, I'm like on some. uh, I'm on the the uh, the servants' stairs, playing with my Belgian Tintins and some toys that were knackered by 1960, and just like do 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 do, and you know, and and listening in, listening in on the conversation downstairs. But nobody was nobody. Nobody was caring about me. And um, 
because my dad liked to be the center of attention, he would briefly forget that I existed too, because everyone in the family loved him. <laughs> so he was downstairs, you know, holding court and was the, was the star of the party. And he would, you know, he'd be like, Oh, my kids are, yeah, I think he's over here. Somewhere up Is that a, what, uh, wait a anyway, so it was a different I, time. It was a different so time. So then Eisenhower gets out of the car and he says to me, Adelaide Stevenson was a, <laughs> Just like, son oh, of a bitch. <laughs> well, I was a son of a bitch, but everybody knew it. <laughs> <laughs> but so what do I do with this? What do I do with my panic gremlin? Like, I don't know. I don't I don't want to fly with a with a comfort pheasant. You're not even allowed to take him on planes anymore. No. And I but I don't want to get on an Australia a flight to Australia already pre-dinged with the gremlin like Buckling in and like, let, hey, you know, let me get a let me get a Bloody Mary here, Virgin Bloody Mary, Be- <laughs> because I can show up at any time. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I don't, I have no experience with this. I have no anxiety management, panic management uh, stratagems. No, and I'm only just starting to even consider the idea that maybe I'm a, the king of the drama queens. Well, that's a lot. a lot to grok. It's all happening, and I don't even think I'm a good parent. Yeah, nobody does. Ugh. None of the good ones do. Think think they're good? Well, they better not. I mean, jeez. Jeez, wait, where, where, where are we getting to slice this enchilada? The, um, is there a chance that it sounds like the most front of mind thing right now is the panic gremlin? That, that's like the biggest, like on the, on the graph of this. That's the thing that has the most threat and portent and front of mindness. Well, because waking up... Waking up and feeling panicky is, uh, it's another thing where it's like, is this a, is this a new reality? Is this going to happen all the time? I don't like this. So, uh, and it doesn't seem controllable. And then I read my sleep book and, and the guy's like, well, when you're paralyzed and hallucinating and I'm like, well, that's not helpful. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, what do you, as somebody who's like been managing anxiety for a long time, like what's your, what's, what, what do you got? What do you got for me? Not too much. Something I, I think I said last week that I still stand by is that, I mean, you're, you've already, you're already on to part of it. Like when you're on the plane, you got this, that, and you heard me kind of coaching this a little bit, but like, I think a big part of it is like realizing that this is a thing that's happening. And one, one, one hokey way to think about this that I think is really useful and forgive me, cause this is very corny is to, is to sort of think to yourself, I'm the sky, not the weather. All right. Do you, do you, do you, Get what I'm saying here? Yeah, I'm the yep. sky, not the weather. Yep. That like this is this is this is my this is my meat case that I walk around in, and things are going to happen. But it's not that every single thought and emotion, and um, this, the, not everything that goes through my head has to equal me. That you know, I think one thing is one one reason that, uh, and again, there's a, there's a clinical component to this that I wouldn't begin to address. But I, I think part of like the anxiety and panic thing. First of all, I mean, anxiety is very related to depression. Um, anxiety can be related to lots of different things, but the anxiety and panic part only really becomes a problem if you don't like the way it feels and it won't go away. Nobody likes feeling anxious, but most normal people or most non-anxious people experience anxiety. But A, it doesn't bother them that much that long, and it does go away. So that's that sounds really patently obvious, but I think that's important to really internalize and rehearse in a way that will serve you well when the panic gremlin jumps up. Because, mm-hmm. because at that point, 
I don't know if you're this way, but I tend to go like, oh, this is going to be the rest of my life. This will be my downfall. This is, I'm going to suffocate. I'm going to die in a box. Like, whatever that feeling, we all have our own little dumb personal things that we feel and worry. But, like, there is a, a window of opportunity at any point, really, to say, stop, hang on a minute. Like, how much is this? How much of this is sky and how much of this is weather? I'm the sky, not the weather. I'm the sky, not the weather, which is really corny. But I, I think that's I think that's a valuable thing to realize. And, you know, I don't think you need to get into an Eastern philosophy to feel this way. I think for simple self-preservation, it helps to give yourself this little inventory. Do you remember that? I mean, like when you first had a kid, I, I, we went to a class where they taught us, okay, here's how you deal with a baby. Deal with a baby's bullshit. But here's how it works. Here's a list <laughs> you're going you're gonna to put on your refrigerator. Babies are dumb, and they cry, and they're sad, and you don't know why they cry, and they're sad. So here's seven things that you keep checking over and over until the baby's not sad anymore. Is it hungry? Is it sad? Is it bored? Is it in pain? Um, is, you know, is it tired? There's like these, and you just go keep checking every one of those. Keep checking that diaper, seeing if they're tired. But like, you may not be able to fix tired right now. You may not be able to fix bored right now. But these are the things you can do, and eventually the baby will fall asleep. You don't really know when. I feel like doing a similar kind of inventory does not have to be compulsive madness. A similar mm-hmm. kind of inventory can be, first of all, in the sky, not the weather. That, like, what if, what if I have I thought about the fact that somebody might have dosed my Mountain Dew? Have I thought about the fact that I had a lot of coffee? Have I thought about the fact that I didn't sleep last night? There's even like a really good website you can go to that's like, I don't feel good. And it says, okay, have you done this? Have you done that? It's a really good website that's like, have you eaten recently? Have you eaten a high protein meal? Have you gotten sleep lately? Have you drunk a glass of water? Have you taken a walk? There's all these little things. And I think in a similar self diagnosis way, you can get in the habit of saying, again, to repeat what I said last week, something is bothering me, but I've decided not to let it bother me. That like, it's my feeling, I'm getting so deep in my own shit at this point, but this is so useful. It's like, it's the feeling of being bothered about the feeling that gets you. Feeling bad is a normal human condition. Being obsessively unhappy about your feeling about the feeling is what really does you in. That's what makes the stuff compulsive in my mind. So I am not over this by a long shot, but one little form of self-preservation is to go through that array of different things. Have I considered that this might be something external? Have I considered that this is something where I haven't made my peace with why I feel bad about this? All these different things, all the way down to have a fucking glass of water and go take a walk. Like, piss on a spark plug, dude. Like, any of that might work, but what doesn't work is feeding back into the loop of thinking about the thinking about the thinking. There's got to be some kind of a break in the code. You got to be able to hit the escape key and like give yourself a little break in distance. And then there's just a few things that you can try. You're the sky, not the weather. Don't think about the thinking. Yeah. That's that tripping, that terrible tripping feeling. I told you about my first bad trip that I can remember was remembering feeling that my that the liquid in my brain that moves thoughts around had stopped moving and that I would have no way of knowing if I was currently thinking the last thought I was ever thinking and that this was probably the last thought I would ever think. Yeah, hallucinogens in 1986. It was a hell of a thing. But (laughs) you got to hit the escape key. My sleep book was saying the EKG readings for wakefulness and for REM sleep are... Largely indistinguishable from one another. If you if you just except look for at the paralysis it. part, and that's what he's saying. Like it's just <laughs> the paralysis that distinguishes sleep from wakefulness. And of course, I was just immediately like Jacob's ladder about it. Like, well, then how? Which one is this? Right. Ah. <laughs> 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 Holy shit! Am I dreaming right now? Yeah. Right. Like what? Who? How? Like. 
when I go, when I cross that threshold, am I going from what I think is like haha uh, sleeping to uh, like wakefulness, <laughs> or, or is it just like oh fuck, you know, here we go through the here we go through the time hole again, and everything th- about that world that I was just thinking about is gone. Yeah, and now I'm living a completely separate life that is no more or less real. And then I'm going to go back over there. Uh, here's here's another one. I had a I had a well, my wife and I both struggle with sleep in slightly different ways. But she's been real smart about it, and she's read some books, and she's had mindfulness classes. And I woke up one morning after like a potentially tumultuous night of sleep. This is a little personal, but I, I woke up yeah six 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 forty five usually is the latest I wake up. And I woke up and I was like, ha ha, I fucking nailed it last night. Can I tell you how? And she's like, sure. <laughs> I was like, I'll tell you what fucking happened. I had the huge, which is I go and I drop a, I drop a tinky and I come back to bed and I go, ah, 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 ah. And I have, I have like a slightly anxious thing that's now going to keep me up. I'm pretty sure for 20 to 90 minutes in the middle of the night. And then I'm going to sit there and try to psych myself out and talk myself out of it and do the breathing exercises that make me even more anxious when I do the breathing exercises. (laughs) Breathing exercises for me equals equals anxiety at this point. But I I had a flash at like whatever, 2.30 in the morning. And I thought, to myself what if i decided not to let it bother me what if i said to myself hey fucking big shot why don't you say i'm gonna be awake for an hour why don't you get up and look at your phone or do whatever and then say i'm gonna fall back asleep in an hour but i'm not gonna stress about it it sounds really stupid but like i did it i did it i i I said to myself i'm not gonna be stressed out about this i'm just gonna be awake the awakeness is just a state of physical being i bring all the garbage and emotion to how i feel about that and guess what it doesn't make it better so what if I just said, fuck it, I'm just going to go look at Twitter or whatever. That's real, real relaxing. But whatever it is, I'm not saying I'm a paragon, but I'm saying that night I fucking nailed it. Because you know what? I went, I fell back asleep in a little over an hour and I woke up feeling less terrible about myself. Yeah. And she said, you know what? That's exactly what they taught us in the mindfulness class. Life hack. It's your feeling about the feeling that does you in. Now, what is a mindfulness class and where do you take one? Uh, my mindfulness is a, it tends to be heavily associated with both Buddhism and meditation, but it's not strictly the same thing by a long shot. And mindfulness is just the idea of being able to observe your own thoughts without judgment, which takes a ridiculous amount of practice. And meditation, in some form or fashion, tends to be the least, I'm not saying easy, but the least difficult way to do that in some ways. But mindfulness is to just, which is one of those words now, like Zen, it just fucking doesn't mean anything in popular culture anymore. Mindfulness is just the idea that I will be able to regard the thoughts that pass through my mind and look at them without judgment, almost like turn them around in my hand and look at my thoughts and not feel completely captured in them. Mm-hmm. I once heard a description of um, meditation that I think applies for lots of good stuff. Meditation is the process of standing on a bridge, looking into a river and trying not to catch a fish. And that's kind of what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is like, or another one I heard was you're standing by a highway watching cars zoom by and not getting into any of them. You're just watching the traffic go by. But who is the one that's doing the looking and not judging? Right. What? <laughs> oh, Look at your fingernail. What if you're fucking, uh, you know, it's, it's that, you know, we tend to feel that we are our emotions, that what we're feeling right now is the world. 
And it can lead us to things like feeling like everybody's out to get us. It can lead us to like feeling vulnerable and having low self-esteem. It could even lead us to feeling very angry, like what Dan, what I have said on the show with Dan, the seven dwarfs of bad emotions, like anxiety, depression, you know, sadness, anger, rage, like all these different things that we feel that stem out of an unresolvable feeling about our feelings. Like when you feel okay about your feelings, you can just feel like shit and be okay with it. But the, I don't know who the minder is, but I think, and this does not have to be real wackadoo, like uh, oriental thinking bullshit. It's uh, oriental in the way we were raised, like the do, 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 do way. This is much more like, no, just be a person for a minute. Like you've survived this long. Stop. Chill for a minute and try to think like, is this like, and first, are you even aware that your mind is racing? You may not be aware your mind is racing. And the same way that you may not be aware that you fucking chugged a Mountain Dew. And like, so, so you do a sit rep and you kind of go like, okay, what is happening right now? What is the thing that I'm thinking? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a practice, but even just knowing it's there can be a comfort to know that at any moment you can choose to hit the escape key for just a minute and like do the sit rep and figure out like what's happening right now and what are my options. What's the sit rep? Because that's the isn't that the feeling of the suffocation? Is that the more I think about this, the worse it's going to get, even if it's not actually happening? And then pretty soon it is happening because now you've made it happen. You're, you've forced your body into this panic mode where, like, now it thinks it is gasping for air. Yeah, I don't know. But what's a sit rep? Oh, uh, uh, you're doing the uh, uh, situation report. I think is what it means. Oh, oh, situation report. I think it's sit rep. So like. Yeah. 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 Like, what's like going it, on? What's going on? Tell me what's going on. And at the end, it's like prints out a thing, like and you're like sitting and scanning, scanning, scanning. Oh, I like that. Then you choke to death. It was seem like go fast. 